0: I am Hannah, like Casey said. I'm the worship director here at Grace City. I'm really excited to talk to you this morning. I really believe that um, if you're going to spread a word or or preach the gospel or teach something you've kind of heard, it should be something you've been walking through yourself or learned yourself or something you're struggling with because I think a humble heart is the best way to engage with the truth of the gospel and also to spread it. So before we go any further i'd like to pray and ask jesus to be in this moment and i'd like him to be the one speaking and for me to get out of the way so father would you open our hearts and our ears this morning would you be with us as as your gospel your living truth is shared hope fills this room honest conversation starts to happen and that I would get out of the way. God, if there is anything this morning that is not of you, let it leave. Let the walls of our hearts be broken down so that we can be fed this morning. We truly want more of you and less of us, God. Would you bring unity to this body? Would you bring peace that surpasses understanding? Amen. going to do that to me every time all right we're going to speak i'm going to read from second peter this morning so if you have a bible go ahead and turn that on open it up or you can also just read on the screen with me second peter verses one through ten we're going to read from the first four verses simon peter a bond servant and apostle of jesus christ so simon peter is the one writing this letter to those who have obtained like precious faith with us So for this reason, y'all are good enough. Let's go home and eat some of the Lord's chicken and I'll see you guys at Christmas time. This is actually a supplies closet, so I'm not going to be able to go anywhere. But that's not what it, that's not all it says, right? Please say no. Good. There are more verses after verse 4. So, a few weeks ago, I was... Completely offended. I was convicted, but I was completely offended, but by the idea that I had been telling myself a lie. I had been functioning in a mindset that said I was good enough. That where I was right now is good enough. It's a nice thing to say, right? It's it, you post it on Instagram as an encouraging note. You're good enough. You're good enough. I say it to a friend who needs encouragement. I've even whispered it to myself when I'm feeling insecure. You're good enough. You're good enough as you are. Now, I do want to say this. If this is rubbing you the wrong way, because you're like me, and maybe you have posted that same thing or, or said that same thing to somebody else. You're good enough. I will start with this. The good news of the gospel is that God, in his perfect, unconditional love, chose us when we were not good enough, when we were a mess in our sin. It says perfect love is no one than this, laid down his life for his friend. So Christ came, hung on a cross, he died for our sins, he rose three days later, he was victorious over death and sin. All right? So God comes in to our mess, to our bondage, to our shackles, and and he says, I see you. You are worthy of love. You are valued. I choose you. And that is enough. So I'll start there. In that sense, we are enough. But what I have found is that the world likes to tell us half the story. It likes to tell us half the truth, or even just twist the truth a little bit so it fits their agenda. <clears throat> we have been, I have been living, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just share it for myself, like I said, I've been living in this mindset, or really this mantra, that this lifestyle of good enough is actually riddled with complacency. It's all wrapped up in a bow of self-love and taped with compassion, I was offended a few weeks ago because of this. Because I thought I was good enough. That Jesus could see me right where I was and I could maybe just stay the way I was. Because I was good enough. But Second Peter doesn't stop at verse 4. If I've learned anything, like I said, in the 33 years that I have lived here on this earth and for the last 10 that I've been studying scripture... It is that the world will say, oh, sh- sh- you're good enough as you are. Just, hey, t- here's a new app. There's a new Netflix series. Just uh, take, this, take this addiction. Swallow this for a little while. You're good enough as you are. You don't need to change. You're perfect as you are. You don't need to change. Shh, sh- sh- sh-. You can look for the good, maybe be the good. Oh, you have these good gifts. Let's worship those good gifts. You, you earn them. And there is nothing wrong with looking for the good, for being the good for being thankful for the gifts and the things in life that come to you. But you're not seeing the full picture. You're not, you're not knowing the fullness of what is truly good. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because actually, friends, it's good news that we're not good enough. We have a good God who is I want to go back to the very beginning so Genesis is the very first book of the Bible and I love Genesis I love new beginnings I love how fresh and clean it is but in Genesis 1 verse 26 it says then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over all the cattle all these things so God created man And then what did he say? It was good. Let's wake up, guys. Come on, come on. It was good. So then, a little bit later in Genesis 1, he uh, gives the garden over to Adam and Eve to tend and keep it. In another translation, it could be to worship and obey. It It was their act of worship to tend and keep and to worship and obey in verse in chapter three moving on in 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 the garden now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the lord had made and he came to the woman and he said has god really said you can't eat from this garden look at all the trees look at all of the the streams the soils the bird the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all these things are so good. Did he really say you couldn't eat from that tree? Surely you won't die. You know that if you eat that, you'll be you'll be like God. You'll be in his image. If we just looked in in chapter one, isn't that what God just said? He ar- we already were made in his image, but the, the serpent is so cunning and he twists the words of truth. And Eve saw that it was good fruit and she took the gift she consumed it. She took the gift. She traded what was good for good enough. Good enough seems like a loving thing to say. But you would never say that to somebody who's struggling with depression or anxiety. Someone with suicidal thoughts. You'd never say, oh, you're, you're good enough as you are. Stay right here. Stay, stay as you are. Because that person wants to get better desperately you would not say that to someone struggling in their marriage that their marriage is good enough who wants a good enough marriage i want a good great wholesome healthy marriage i don't want good enough And when you start really thinking about good enough does any of us really want good enough When you have to sit with yourself at the end of the day, by yourself alone, there's silence there, and you're (sighs) with just yourself. And there's nothing but emptiness there. That good enough starts to not feel loving, does it? Starts to feel empty. But friends, I'm here to tell you some good news. The hope of the gospel is living and breathing. It's alive. The hope of the gospel is Jesus Christ. The good news is he paid for those sins. He paid for the struggles. He paid for the bondage we were living in. And let's go back to verse 4 in 2 Peter. It says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption, having escaped the bondage, having escaped the sin that is in the world through lust. Peter says, God's called us to exceedingly great and precious promises of the divine nature. Divine nature, divine power. What is all this? It sounds a little woo-woo to me okay but so let's translate this in the greek so divine nature is theos Physis, divine power is theos dunamis what does this mean i have literally no idea it was in the footnotes of my bible so if you guys are bible nerds <laughs> go ahead and tell me afterwards but what i do know is that divine power is the same power that raised christ from the dead divine nature is the nature that characterizes God and here is where it gets radical we being made new creation new creations in Christ through his death on the cross and payment for our sins we can exhibit this same divine nature and this same divine power if you want to check my work you can look in Ephesians 1:19 and 20 or Romans 8:11. I'm sure there are many other scriptures that reference it. But we get to have this divine nature and divine power in us. The world tells us to settle. Shh, you're good enough. No, 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 no. Jesus says there's so much more. There is so much more. And it is good. Do not settle. Do not consume and settle. You were meant for more than that. Oh, guys, it's... When we think about good enough in these terms and then we think about good, I want the good. I want the good. So whenever I I read these scriptures, I think about divine power and I think about divine nature. I get a little bit um, nerdy, like Lord of the the Rings with Schmeagel. Ooh, my precious we want it we want it so the the world likes this idea of divine power and divine nature correct they do they like that oh you're telling me i could be my own god yes we want it but we don't take this gift to consume it for ourselves we've seen from the beginning of time in in scriptures and also in our world Whenever we take selfishly, what happens? This turns to destruction, bondage, slavery, ruin, death. We do not take these gifts of divine nature and power so that we ourselves can be gods. This just creates more of that destructive cycle. As Christians, we have been called to live a radically different lifestyle. If we by by faith lay down our own lives just like in God's perfect love he laid down his life and we are to be Christ-like. If we lay down our life in faith the author and perfecter can come in with his radical divine nature consume us with his love and his power and we'll never settle for good enough. We will see through that lie. We will see through that lie every time. This is the power that defeated death on the cross. It busted hell wide open and he left no stone unturned to find you and I. This is the good news of the gospel. I don't know who's given up on you. I don't know who's neglected you, trashed your reputation, made you feel ashamed of yourself, spoken down to you, I don't know who's made you feel small or stolen your joy. But I know that our Father has he has he's felt it too. He's seen it. He's seen you in your pain. He's felt every circumstance, he's felt every feeling with you. In fact, he he knew you even before you were in your mother's womb. He knows every hair on your head. Your worth Your purpose. And he didn't settle for good enough. He didn't see you. He didn't see me in my shame. And say, that's good enough. It's good enough. No. He yelled at the top of his lungs, that's not good enough. And he sent his son. To pay the debt we couldn't pay. We can't earn that on our own. We can't work ourselves out of our mess. We've tried, I've tried, I've tried to be good enough, and I always end up falling short. There's always one more rung in the ladder to climb, one more step to climb. Someone knocks you down, you always have to work. How tiring is it to be good enough? In a world of destruction, of absolute chaos, we've been given the gift of forgiveness. And reconciliation. We have been given divine power. So radical. And now we have kingdom resources. It doesn't stop at verse 4, it goes on. We've been given kingdom resources. So let's read about those kingdom resources, shall we? Verse 5 But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Why does the world not want us to read those verses? Why does it want us to stop at verse 4? Ah, you were 12 years old. You, You prayed that prayer at summer camp. You're good now. Just go live your life. God's supposed to come in and change you, right? Go, go live your life. It's fine. You do your thing. Stay in your lane. Just be good enough. Here, here you go. Here's the parameters of your scope of vision. No, because our vision is kingdom vision. It goes bigger. And these resources that Peter is talking about are resources that the world can't buy. They can't own. They can't manipulate. They can't manufacture. And that scares the hell out of them. Satan doesn't want us to know that we've got these good resources. We've got these good gifts. We can, we don't have to buy into the lies. We don't have to function at just subpar. It would ruin everything if we lived in the kingdom, if we lived like-minded to Christ because we wouldn't stumble and fall for the lies of the enemy okay I don't think it's by accident that Peter talks about these resources in the way that he does it's almost like a step-by-step so I'd like to to talk through them with you in case you're not understanding or maybe need a little bit of clarification with how he's writing about these resources so in verse where are we here six or five but also for this very reason giving all diligence add to your faith faith is the first step virtue so faith is the very first step this is the action of dying to yourself and being made alive in christ that's the very first step and and that's where the devil would like us to stop i think that a lot of people have faith in something But we're, we're called to have more than that. Faith in itself is not good enough because there's more, there's more. There's always more in the kingdom of God. There's plenty and it's good. So virtue is next. Peter talks about virtue. This is the gift given by God. Virtue references God's character, not something we can produce outside of God or without him. The Holy Spirit in us, remember his divine nature and power, will come in to us. Being made alive in us through faith catapults us into walking a life of obedience, in obedience, in relationship, just like in the garden when he was tending and keeping it, in obedience, it's our act of worship. Knowledge is next. Knowledge is, this is, this is the next step, it's the practical wisdom. This is studying the scriptures, this is asking questions, this is the, your prayer life. Consistently, every day, in the word, with each other, asking questions, listening, having a heart that's moldable, soft, gentle. Knowledge is learning from the scriptures and then putting it back into action. Self-control is next. Mastering one's emotions, rather than being controlled by them. So Peter was talking, when he was writing this letter, there were actually some teachers in the time going around telling people that if they had enough knowledge, they were free to do as they please. They were free to use their knowledge to um, enjoy their passions. They were free to use what they've learned, and everything else doesn't matter. They can just embrace all their feelings, and they were good to go there. We don't have any problem with that these days. Nobody, nobody feels too much of their feelings and just goes with that. But Peter was writing um, to his friends about these false prophets back in that day. Perseverance is next. A person who exercises self-control will not easily succumb to discouragement or temptation. Living connected to the source, our father, the scriptures, living, breathing word of God, having relationship and walking with him daily... With him in control of our desires, we can live a full life, abundant, and we'll be able to persevere even when times get tough, even when someone questions us, even when it's hard. Godliness, this is the next step. In this context, Peter is using this to speak about the need for us to be continually aware of God's presence, to be in awe of him. That's what he's talking about, godliness. To awe at his holiness, his sovereignty. It's it's going to influence every aspect of our lives. When we walk with our father, he radically changes us. It changes how we think about things. When we are constantly in worship of him, in awe of him, we begin to see others differently. We begin to have more grace, more compassion, compassion in God's kingdom, more love. And this will bring us to brotherly kindness. It is closely linked to godliness. In 1 John 4.20 it says that if you love God but hate your brother then you're a liar. Love serves one another. It prays for one another. Reconciles with, bears with one another. It goes beyond our comfort zone. It goes beyond our front door. It goes into our community, into our world. And the, at the cost of ourselves. Remember the very first step is faith laying down one life, your life, giving up your life costs it costs us everything but it comes it moves into true love god's love unconditional love there is no one scenario in our life so so this is like a rolling list right this is like a circle But you're going to encounter new people every single day, right? You're going to encounter new co-workers. You're going to encounter some crazy new person at the coffee shop. You're going to encounter someone on the street. Every single one of these encounters, these relationships, these uh, scenarios that you'll find yourself in in life are all new and require every single one of these steps. So you're never going to get there. You're never going to be able to work hard enough to get every single one of these checked off because it's not a checklist box. It's not, you don't check the box and, oh, I'm good. I've got virtue. Now I can go on to to, uh, self-control and knowledge. It's going to be a constant because that's what life is about. It's constantly learning, constantly growing. And they will know we are Christians by our, oh, say it again, Love. love. They will know we are Christians by our love. And we can't get there on our own. Absolutely not. I did not drink or party in high school or college. Um, And it was by no means because I was a devout Christian or following Jesus. It was just, I thought I had good morals. And for whatever reason, I thought I could lead people to the rule Jesus that I was following at the time. And that they would be able to see I was different because I didn't party with them. So I was the the designated driver. I would listen to all their stories. We'd stay up late at night. And I will never forget this. uh, This has changed everything for me. Um, I wasn't walking with Jesus at the time. One of my girlfriends, who was very drunk, leaned over to me and said, you know, Hannah, there's nothing different about you. Only thing is different is you just don't drink. And even with me not walking with Jesus, I, I knew he was there. I think for a lot of us, we know that there is possibly a higher source, maybe a God, Jesus. We're just not walking with them because we don't want to tap into that. We don't want to get messy with that. We just want to be good enough. Don't rock the boat. But it really leveled me for a minute. And I, for a minute, it's changed my entire life. They will know we are Christians by our love. I wasn't acting any different it was no longer good enough for me to just be, I mean, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, you guys understanding, okay, good, I don't need to belabor this, but it really did stick with me, and since then, I don't want any of that anymore, because I'm not any different, and if God says that I need to be loved, how can I be loved when I'm one foot in the world, and one foot over here, maybe leaning more into the world than I thought I was. my works weren't working. And that's when I realized I needed my savior. I needed to fully embrace what he was asking of me and the life he had called me to live because I needed better than good enough. Because good enough wasn't cutting it anymore. When I was in the, in the depths of despair, when I had ruined every relationship, when I was at rock bottom, good enough was not loving and I realized that I needed more than that and friends this is what Christ offers this is the goodness and the hope of the gospel that we are not good enough and that should be good news we need to surrender what we have which is nothing and and ask him to come in and change our lives and then start walking like it and acting like like it and being his hands and feet being the body of christ so that others will know about his love worship team you guys can come up we are meant to live connected to our creator peter says in verse 8 that if we are and we practice functioning in the resources he has given us the good gifts he has given us we will neither be barren meaning void of purpose which is what we're all searching for we all want purpose in this life or unfruitful meaning we will we'll have nothing to show maybe a legacy we'll have we'll have something to show for our lives the life we can have in Jesus Christ the power we possess causes us to never settle for good enough it convicts us to constantly lay down our life our priorities our agenda our pride and radically love other people and as we function in these kingdom resources we will have more grace to extend to one another And as we function in these resources we begin to perceive the lies that we are consuming we can see the ways we are trading the good for the good enough There is no battle that Yahweh has not won. He has defeated death for us. He didn't settle for good enough, friends. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you've come through. I don't know what you're walking in, but I can tell you with certainty the Lord of the battle has already won your fight. Give it up. Lay it down. Let him fight for you and stop consuming the lies that say, you don't need to change. There's nothing better over there. Just stay where you're at. Every lie you've been walking in, every piece of shame, every bondage that has shackled you, he busted it. He broke it. He conquered it. He has shed his light in every place of darkness that we have. And that's good news, because we can't do that on our own. His grace is sufficient. His grace is more than enough it's so, so good. If I can be very honest with you, we're trading a lot of things in for good enough. Your need for connecting, you've traded the good of our father's relationship with pornography. You've traded the connection that you need in love with sex outside of marriage. You've decided to live together because it's more financially responsible before you're married. You're trading the good for good enough, and it's actually not good enough. He's not created you for good enough. Stop binging and purging on whatever choice of drug you choose today or tomorrow. Stop idolizing your sexuality and searching for a relationship to fill you. Because when it's at the end of the day, you know it's not good enough. There's always a void there. And that void is what Jesus can fill. Lay down your life. Confess you're good enough to our good Father. Let him come in. Heal the broken parts, the void parts, the empty parts. And let's live a life that's worthy of our radical calling. So that he can say, well done, good and fair.